Welcome to the Sales Globe Rethink Sales Podcast. I'm Mark Danolo. And I'm Michelle Seeger. Michelle, we're going to talk about an important topic this episode. Do your customers make more money working with you? That is a really interesting question, right? That that organizations and sales organizations can think about usually, right? They're thinking about selling their products and services, but are they mm-hmm. really thinking about that question that you just posed? Right. What's happening for the customer, right? Mm-hmm. So assuming the customer needs to do something positive that they buy from you, is it helping their business results? So we're going to talk with Keith Pegues. Keith is CEO of Luminous Strategies, and they do a lot of work around customer insight, customer value proposition. And they have this process called differential value proposition, Michelle, where you can actually measure and quantify the value of your proposition relative to your competitors, which is pretty cool. Thereby answering that question, right? Mm -hmm. Do your customers make more money doing business with you? This is going to be a very interesting uh, listen for everyone that's that's tuning in today. Uh, We're really looking forward to it. All right, let's jump right in. We would like to introduce Keith Pigues. Keith is the CEO and founder of a company, Luminous, that um, is a, a wonderful company around helping uh, Fortune 500 companies with value proposition. He wrote a book called Winning with Customers. It's a really good read, actually. Mm-hmm. I have it on my bookshelf, Keith, and not because you wrote it. I mean, that might be why I read it, but it stays there because it's actually a good book. I use my books for reference material. So with that, I would love to introduce Keith to everyone. And thank you, Keith, for bringing your thought leadership to us here today at Sales Globe. Good to be here. Good to see you again, Michelle and Mark. Yes, it's great to see you as well. So Keith, I think that um, we would love to just get right into what what, uh, the topic is for today. And Keith is going to lead everyone through today. We're going to have an interactive session. Mark, I don't even know if you know about this. We're going to have um, everyone polling through questions. We're going to have a really cool um, interactive discussion. So everyone that's on, make sure that you can pivot over to get online. Keith's going to give you a, um, a site to get over to where you can help uh, the, the results, you can see results real time on some key questions. And with that, I'd say, Keith, I'm going to turn it right over to you. Okay. All right. Well, let me just share my screen quickly right. here. We'll pull up some information and uh, we'll get rolling. All right here. Hey, Keith, is that a picture of you? Oh, yeah. Let me have that one. Really. You're like all dressed up. <laughs> you look really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I clean up pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, I think a great place to start really is to think about, you know, in this context of restarting growth, and you guys have mentioned some some great data and stats around what's happening uh, in the world and in the marketplace and what kinds of things we should be thinking about. Well, McKinsey actually uh, conducted what they call their executive briefing back in November mid-November with 30, uh, well, actually 300 uh, C-level executives. 
really trying to understand kind of what's on their minds and what do they think are going to be, you know, the things are going to be driving growth uh, and uh, reshaping growth going into 2021 and beyond. And what's listed here are a few of those things. I, I find these fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that really jumped out for me when I saw this was when we think about our companies and our and our customers or prospective customers, right? People are accelerating cost reductions uh, and cost reduction targets uh, at an unusual pace. Wow. And I think it has to do with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So they're really trying to make sure they keep their powder dry, right? And have a little bit more flexibility as they move into the year. So that, that yeah. has some implications, right? For you know, how, we, how we serve them and the value propositions that we deliver for them. Yep. Yep, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And our, and we have that conversation with our clients. So we're, we're having a conversation with a few of our clients. So we're B2B, just like you are. And they're discussing they want to be the most customer centric. But then you're bouncing that against these cost reduction targets, right? right? That both your customers have as well as you yourself. So I do think that's a big, it's a big challenge, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, another one we found really interesting, and uh, we actually, uh, you know, have deep discussion with the senior executive team, one of our clients, they actually serve the um, apparel industry. So they provide an ingredient that goes into branded apparel. And we were talking about, you know, modifying the operating models on the fly, right? And they've got winners and losers amongst their customers. Those who are winning are those that were already significantly focused on selling direct to consumer online. And those that were more attached to the retail, uh, brick and mortar, even the big brands, I mean, were hit pretty hard. And so yeah. it really exposed those that didn't have the infrastructure in place to really do more direct online sales. That, so they're modifying these operating models on the fly. Wow. Yeah, it, that, that's another Amazing. really interesting thing, right? What we know is that this technology, so talking about the online purchasing, what you just discussed, it's accelerated. They're saying like three to five years from yeah. where they expected yeah, it to be yep. in this short period of time. Yeah, another one which was interesting for us is this number six, pockets of growth have shifted. Right, and we were talking to a company recently that provides um, uh, cleaning products, mm -hmm. and where before it was all about providing cleaning products in the retail environment, right, to a consumer, and of course that growing online or direct sales, but direct has increased significantly, but also now mm -hmm. providing it into the commercial space, because guess what? If you want to open up your business, you have to provide confidence to people that it's a safe environment to work yeah. and or do business with you. And who the fuck, right? That's a big yeah. growth opportunity now, right? Cleaning in the commercial and industrial office and, uh, and work environment. Interesting. 
Yeah, and, and we're seeing that in a couple of areas. So yeah. in, in terms of the use of uh, the products, you know, you mentioned cleaning and then also uh, with some of the tech companies we're working with, security obviously becoming bigger. Yes. But then also just in terms of general industry, Keith, as we've uh, talked about on some prior sessions, the bounce curves are different by industry as well. So what you may have looked at as your segments before, you know, across the country, across the world, they're actually coming back at different rates. Yes, they are. So right. that's something, you know, we've got to be cognizant of is uh, understanding where, uh, where those comeback points are and wh where we need to put our resources, not just assuming that everything's coming back at the same speed. Yeah, it's really uh, something the what McKinsey, the response that they're getting back from the CEOs, it completely aligns with what we're seeing and what we're predicting is ahead. So that's, that's a good affirmation. And I wouldn't underestimate anyone that's listening on this pockets of growth, how it's shifted, how you do need to look at your segmentation and look what's going on um, across your segments uh, really closely. Don't make any assumptions about, you know, it's going to be the same. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good segue, Michelle. And, you know, and I think that's one of the big takeaways uh, for us and the conversations that we're, we're having with, with people, you know, across the industry is, you know, things are not going to be the same. So as we start thinking about restarting growth, uh, there are some key decisions that need to be made. And the, the decisions that were the most important for us to make, you know, in 2019 may not be the most important decisions that we face, you know, in, in 2021. Yeah. So, you know, we've, um, with a lot of experience uh, with our clients uh, have developed this growth driver illuminator, right? Which really helps organizations to think about these key decisions and then asking the question in the current environment, which of these decisions are the most important? Maybe different than the decisions that were more, most important for us, you know, a year ago or six months ago. And then probably the even more important question, when you, once you identify these key decisions, what's our level of confidence, right? in making these decisions that are critical for us to, to drive growth. And so we'll walk through a few of these just to introduce them. Then we're gonna have some fun. All right. I like participants I like here. Fun. Yeah, I hope they have a game show hat on and they're ready to participate. I know it's Friday. It's fun Friday. Fun yeah. Friday. That's what we're gonna start calling these round tables. Fun yeah. Friday. Now, I, I don't have any buttons to push like Ellen, so I'm not going to drop anybody through the floor or anything like that, right? Okay, oh, so production right. manager, are you listening? We need to be thinking about these new things as we get into 2021 and look at our own restart of our roundtable. Okay, Keith, yeah. so I know the, you got fun stuff. The first group of decisions are really around customer planning and sales effectiveness. So as you think about the account strategies and account plans for customers and what do we need to do there, right? Mm. To really shore up those, because there are likely some things that have changed and we probably need to change with our planning and strategy around customers to, uh, to keep up and, and to be successful. And then the second area there, and you mentioned it earlier, equipping the sales organization to be successful, mm. right? And so they're gonna be asked maybe to sell different value propositions, work in a different environment, uh, engage, customers differently. There's no travel. I mean, yeah. um, there are lots of things to think about. Do we have the right compensation in place now for this new environment to incentivize what we want to get accomplished? So those, that's what that's all about. 
And we're going to have, have an opportunity to dig into these a little bit more. But what do you think about that? I think that sounds great. I do believe that that's correct. Yeah, I, I think, and we're hearing this from our customers. What do you? I think on the the customer planning though, in particular, and, and we're doing yes. a lot of work on this right now. Uh, what we're seeing companies doing is they're focusing in on those customers are. that are strategic. Obviously, the ones that are that are um, coming back, they're on those bounce curves, but they're getting deeper into them. So we talked about the data driven creative problem solving. Yeah, they're getting deeper into the accounts and and doing what I call more aspirational planning. So it's not just about, you know, how do we hold on to what we have right now? It's not about what can we do this year or next year? It's what can we do over the next, you know, five years or so and uh, get to an aspiration point that it's changing the thinking in those customers. So it's not doing a better job of account planning, but right. it's doing a better job of thinking with those accounts and coming up with new approaches that might combine uh, partners might combine working together with that account uh, as a, as a co-supplier might combine um, uh, how we can, how we can, uh, how we can partner with the customer. So, you know, just getting a lot more creative about and aspirational about the account planning. So we're seeing a lot of that happen now. And really understanding, right. What is it that they are trying to solve for this year? So yeah, we're right with you on this customer planning and, and then the enablement. You can't really have one without the other. Okay. And, and the second area is about market segmentation and, and pricing, right? And wow, I mean, markets have shifted, the competitive yeah. set has shifted, offerings have shifted, and really have to make decisions around where you're going to focus, right? Yeah. Um, and that might require some changes. And the second area is around pricing. Uh, wow, you know, yeah. value has shifted in a lot of places. And so trying to figure out how you really capture your fair share of the value that you've created uh, and, um, you know, the, the way you price could, could cause you to be a winner or a loser, right? So, wow. so one of the things I, I'd love to learn about, Keith, on this yep. when we get to the pricing discussion is one of our um, guesses is that pricing levels may change. They could go up or they could go down to make things fit better for what customers need. But how does that affect our our sales productivity or our sales capacity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of like when we move from on-premise sales to, uh, I'm sorry, from uh, licensed sales to SaaS sales, that mm -hmm. changes the, the pricing dynamic. Uh, when we come up with offers in this new environment that are easier for customers to buy, does that change the price points and how does that affect productivity? Right, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a very good question and a real, yes. real life problem, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. We can talk a little bit further about that. The third area is customer segmentation uh, and engagement, right? And so even after really doing a good job of segmenting markets, you know, really looking at customer segments. And I think a lot of movement has happened in terms of the similarities and differences, you know, amongst groups of customers they shifted around. And so probably a lot of organizations are gonna have to spend some time focusing on which of the customers should we target today? may not be the customers that we targeted last year or even six months ago. Uh, and then engagement. So having the, the type of engagement that uh, allows our executives and our customers' executives to collaborate together, because we're trying to figure this thing out together. And I think we're going to have more collaboration probably over this next couple of years in that regard than we've ever had. You know, one of the things the pandemic has done it's actually accelerated, in some cases exponentially, 
some trends that were already underway. I think this is one of those. We already had a trend underway where more companies were bringing their senior executives together, having true collaborative uh, relationships to win together. And now because some people are in dire straits or seeing things they've never seen before, we're seeing the power of collaboration move ahead at a much rapid, more rapid pace. We are seeing it too in our, in our own business and with our clients, yeah. And then the next area is um, differential value proposition and offerings, uh, you know, that's near and dear to our hearts. Um, but boy, differentiation matters, right? And so, uh, particularly in industries where you've seen their volume decline, demand decline, uh, if you're not differentiated, you'll be left out. Uh, likewise, as these new opportunities emerge uh, that are in the marketplace, these unmet needs, it's a great opportunity for some people to break out. Break out with that next solution that's really gonna deliver some real differential value. Uh, and then getting the right combination of product, services, and organizational capabilities to really deliver that offering, to deliver that solution to, to customers. So, so, um, so Keith, I wanna ask you if you could pause for a second on this one, differential value proposition. So your book, uh, Winning with Customers, goes a lot into that. Yes. And, and this is, you know, for everybody listening, this is something I think is really valuable, which is understanding the actual monetary value that you bring to customers. And as you put it, Keith, do they make more money working with you? And, and so this is a point I think that can't be overstated, which is, uh, this is, this is the way you gain advantage, uh, with uh, uh, from the competition with customers is actually proving your value. So what I love about this, this whole idea, Michelle, as you know, is that it's not about the squishy side of value proposition. Right. It's about quantifiable value proposition. Right. So, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a bit about that, but I think it's a really important point. Yeah, Mark, yeah. That, that's a good point. And it's become more important now than, than ever. Um, as organizations are challenged financially, right? Um, the extent to which we can demonstrate to them that our products and services, our offerings are going to help them make more money in the marketplace versus the next best alternative, either through driving incremental sales by, our, by buying our solutions that they can't get elsewhere, or giving them incremental cost reductions in their business by the use of our solutions they can't get elsewhere, but being able to measure and prove it. Yeah, that's exactly Absolutely. what we're seeing as well. Uh, and then the last area is business model and, and customer insight. Uh, there are some business models that were a little bit shaky prior to the pandemic. And uh, some of those business models are on life support <laughs> uh, today. Likewise, there are some new business models that are emerging, right? And so people are trying to figure out you know, how do I make money on a consistent and sustained basis? And it may require them to think differently about their business model. Uh, and then customer insights. Customer insights never been more important. Um, yet we really have to get close and remain close to our customers and understand their business, their opportunities, their challenges, their financial challenges as well as their operational challenges in ways that we've never done before. And if we had a good handle on them before the pandemic, in many cases, 
throw that out because it's changed. (laughs) Totally changed. And that's what we mean by being this data-driven, creative problem solver. You've got to get these insights and know how to use them, right, to solve your customers' problems. Yeah. So what we thought would be fun uh, with with your... uh, uh, your audience, your attendees today is to let everybody kind of get in on this game and uh, have a little fun uh, with these uh, key decisions. Okay. Are you so, this, I'm in on it. All right. Mark's go. in. Okay. So um, what we'd like to do is to, um, first of all, have everyone go to menti.com. M-E-N-T-I-C-O-M. M-E-N-T-I dot C-O-M, menti.com. And we have put that in the chat for everyone. It is spelled for you in there as well, www.menti.com. Okay. And when you get there, you'll see that they'll ask you for a code. So hang on a moment. We're going to give you the code. That'll open up the, um, the space for you to play. But what we want to do now is focus on that first area of customer planning and sales effectiveness, right? And so as you think about account strategies and plans and equipping the sales organization to be successful, does this represent your organization? (laughs) No, I'm sure, Mark. It's positive thinking. It's positive (laughs) thinking, yeah. This probably does not represent any of the fine people on this call today, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some of our friends think this way, right? It's never us, is it? (laughs) No, no, never us. So, but what we would like to do is to get you to think for a moment and maybe share your thoughts on what your organization is doing and how you're thinking about customer planning and sales effectiveness. So you're there at menti.com. What I'd like you to do is to place the code at the top of the slide here uh, into Minty. There's a little box there, 3866177. 3866177. And I believe it's also in the chat. Oh, and also I should let everyone know in the chat, if you've got any questions along the way, please submit them because we will be answering questions as well. Okay, so if you're there- There are two, two questions for you there, or two, two items to respond to. So as you think about your organization's customer planning and sales effectiveness, yeah. read these two statements and tell us if you, your degree of agreement, if you strongly agree, strongly disagree, right? The first, we develop strategic plans with key customers that contribute to our growth and profit. How are you guys doing there? And then secondly, our sales organization is well-equipped with the support and tools to meet their goals. So weigh in and we're gonna see uh, uh, what this looks like across the the group of participants. So Mark, as we talk about strategic account planning, one of the things um, that, that we're doing, and Keith, one of the things that's changed a little bit is we go through, right? Companies usually take this and they make it almost an operational you know, exercise, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah, like, yeah. what did we do last year? Where's the opportunity? They look at the white space of the account, but we've got this whole thing where we're asking them to understand the problem that the customer is really solving for this year. Mm-hmm. And then how 
their organization may solve that problem. And it may be even engaging with other people in your organization who you haven't even thought to get engaged in the account plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it goes back to that, that aspirational point too, Michelle, and that, um, one of the things we do in account planning is we understand the story of the customer, right? Right. And so yep. that's where you, you know, it's not just like, what are they trying to deal with? What's the problem? But let's talk about how they got to where they are. And it's amazing when we do account planning workshops, and Keith, you probably run into this too. When you get into the story of the account and what's happened along the way, you get a lot of ahas and you start to really learn a lot more about the account. And I get people walking right. out who are, who are, have been cynical about account planning, strategic account planning, that when they go through that, they they see things they've never seen before. And their their managers in the room are like, how come I never knew this? Yeah. How come we never talked about these things? Yeah. So no, you're you're right. Understanding the customer problem critical. And these two statements, um, Keith, it's funny. I'm thinking about a client we we have in the manufacturing business. And these are two things they talk about a lot, which is they don't develop their strategic plans with customers. They do them themselves in a conference room. Right. And the other is. Well, we do this strategic account plan, everybody leaves, and then I'm stuck with it. And I have a couple of people and and, and I have to figure it out myself. So we're not well equipped. We don't have support. We don't have resources. And then we just go back to fighting fires. That's right. (laughs) Yep. That's exactly what happens. So I think it's, yeah. I'm not seeing the the results display here. We have any notes in the chat from anyone? Is we having challenges? Let's see here. Let's look and see. Any, any messages from anyone in the chat? Uh, Not right now that we've got any. Oh, okay. So we're seeing, okay. So we're getting, we're getting something in the chat that, okay, we've got a few comments that said people are responding um, and they, and they are submitting answers. And did you, did I hear you say that some people are seeing the results? No, okay, but people are submitting results. So why don't we just, oh, look, they're, they're unable to respond. Okay, that's what we're getting. Now we're starting to get feedback. So let's just talk through these. Yeah, okay. While we're good. figuring that out. And so Keith, what do you typically see in terms of um, uh, feedback on these couple of questions? What, what are the uh, uh, balance of responses? What, what are people typically seeing or doing? Yeah, uh, what we typically see is that there's uh, a little bit of the middle of the road on the developing of strategic plans with key customers okay. uh, that contribute yeah. uh, to our growth and profit. They're plans, but uh, they're not really those that are necessarily contributing to growth and profit. And I think that happens sometimes because organizations get on this, this wheel of doing the annual, you know, strategic yeah. plan and updating it every, you know, 12 or 18 months but they lose sight of why they're really doing that plan. And does it really tie back to driving growth and profit? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys have seen that as well. Yeah. It it just becomes this document and it's not um, exactly, you know, it just becomes something on a shelf. It's it's not living and breathing and something that you look at and reference. Yeah. It's an exercise. And and because it's not, uh, as you said, it's not driving anything meaningful in terms of growth. People, people don't use it. Right. So it's not responding to the needs of the sales organization. So let's just have a a minute to talk about that. Okay. How do we 
how can we, and Keith, what have you seen for how companies can shift where that strategic account plan becomes just living, breathing part of your organization? Like how does it not become an exercise and a, a document that's just completed as fast as we can, it's due on the 15th, we're done, and they never look at it again. I mean, that's right. I mean, yeah. we have our answer for that, but we want to hear what you have to say, what you see out there, Keith. Yeah, well, I think one of the, the opportunities um, is for organizations to take a step back and ask the question, which of these accounts should we really be performing these plans with? Yeah. All right. Um, and we see particularly thing. with global key account programs and, you know, major national account programs that sometimes they just take on a life of their own. And you have so many of them that you can't really devote the time, attention and effort, right? To those accounts that matter. And before you know it, every account is a major account, right? right, right. Um, and the other part of that is really ensuring that the results that you expect and the investments that you make are tied to, tied to the success of the business ah. and getting the executives involved, right? Yep. Uh, and so there has to, because it, it, it takes resources to manage these, these programs, right? And if you don't really understand what you're getting back strategically and financially, uh, you know, they just kind of lose their way. So then on the other piece, Keith, on getting the customer involved in the planning process, when I, when I worked on the, the book on account planning, one of the things I was surprised at is a lot of organizations don't bring the customer in during the strategic yeah, account planning process. Right. They do it themselves, right? And then they right. go back out and then they, they do it to the customer rather than partner with the customer. But, and I know you guys do a lot of work directly with customers of your clients. What's the key to um, getting the customer engaged in the account planning process? Are they, are they usually receptive to that, to those kind of conversations? Uh, they, they are, you know, if it's done in a collaborative way. And so, okay. you know, the way we do that is we have our, our clients start the process by developing, you know, what they think really is a differential value, right? That they deliver to that customer, you know, in customer terms. So in how the things that they do actually drive the customer's growth strategy and the customer's key performance indicators, and then getting around the table with the customer to say, hey, here's how we think we've helped you in the last year, more so than the next best competitor. Here's where it's paid off for you. Do you agree? Yes or no? And if not, tell us what more we can be doing. And it's amazing what that level of discussion about the customer's business does in terms of uh, creating a collaborative relationship. All right, so let's go on to our next topic, Keith. Okay. Yeah, I was given some instructions on how to fix this. I, tried <laughs> it and I was trying it in the backdrop and it didn't work. So. Oh, I saw you working really hard. I could see you over to my left. And I'm like, this guy's going to start sweating soon. Okay. So Keith market segmentation sweat. and pricing. No, Never no it would be you. like my father told me once. He said, Michelle doesn't switch. She, she perspires. Whatever. I don't know why one is supposed to be, you know, more gentle than the other. Okay. So let's go through this one. Oh, yeah. now this is good. Yeah. So market segmentation and pricing. So, uh, by the way, continue to vote. We can capture the results and we can make those available afterwards. So oh, if you great. Vote, we'll, we'll have them capturing the system. They're just not displaying right now. Perfect. That'll be so, great. Uh, anybody using uh, the old lineup 
to <laughs> identify your target market? <laughs> uh, we hope not. We hope. I know, right? <laughs> although, although segment five looks pretty interesting to me. I know, right? Yeah. Look at that number five. <laughs> Kind of looks like you, Mark. <laughs> Need my glasses. Here. So, so how are you um, thinking about this, and how's your organization doing when it comes to market segmentation and pricing? So, we'd love to have you uh, share your 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 thoughts here uh, by responding. Uh, and um, again, we'll have the results that we can we can share with you afterwards. So, two big buckets. The first one is. Um, around understanding the needs of the target markets and saying that you as a company can confidently meet their demands, right? Or meet that meet what it is that they need. Mm -hmm. So Mark, in the work that we're doing, what would you say that our clients that are talking to us about understanding that their target markets, uh, what their needs are and that they can meet them? What are we hearing? What I, what I see is that clients very often, well, I'll put it this way, companies very often mm -hmm. think they know what their customers need. And, and Keith, you'll probably agree with this, but then when you get out and you talk to their customers, it's actually a bit different. So they're kind of, you know, colored by their own perception of, yeah. of what they think their customers need. And it kind of goes for the bottom one as well. Um, uh, you know, the pricing mm -hmm. that they don't really know what their value is to the customer. So if, yeah. you, if you have your own perception of the customer's needs and your own perception of your value to that customer, but you don't really know it from their perspective, you could be way off. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. So, yeah. So um, a member of our team, thank you team, actually is capturing these from the system and emailing them to me. So, hey, you know, we're doing, we're doing what we can here, oh, right? Oh, good, that's hey, awesome. So, if any of you are really interested around customer planning and sales effectiveness, if you want to, I'll give you the results, right? Um, that first question, we develop strategic plans with key customers that contribute to our growth and profit. 3.6 out of five. Wow. Right. So about three quarters of the way to the right in mm -hmm. terms of strongly agreeing that that's being done. So some room for growth there, but that's yeah. a pretty strong showing. And that second question, our sales organization is well equipped with the support and tools to meet their goals, about a four out of five. Wow. So a little bit stronger there. That's pretty. So we have a lot of high performers here. This is yeah. good. Yeah. That's a little bit higher than the norm. Yeah. See, it's because of who's listening. The people, they paid attention to this email when they got it to join the round table. All those people that didn't <laughs> pay attention to the email. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing I would say about pricing is, um, you know, pricing really is a measure of how much of the value you create that you're able to capture, right? That's what price is a reflection of that, right? And so if you don't really understand how much value you're creating versus the next best alternative, yeah it's pretty hard to figure out what you deserve in return and what price you should set to capture it. Now, I know I probably said a lot there. Makes right? sense. But, so Keith, how do companies go about doing that? Well, the first thing they have to do is really, and we, we talk differential value, they really have to yep. understand the differential value from the customer's perspective and to be able to tie that directly to revenue increases or cost reductions that their customers receive by doing business with them versus the next best alternative 
And then that's the pool. That's the pool of value you create. Then the question becomes, how do we share it? How do we share that with the customer and the pricing should be a reflection of that. So do you have any results to share on this one before we move to the next? Uh, not yet. Um, okay. Let me see. Now I'll make the comment while you're looking, Keith, too, that this whole thing about pricing, if you can't show your value in the pricing uh, yeah. to back up your pricing, then what we see is you, then you get into the competitive game, right? You get to the, you know, the race to the bottom or, um, you know, you start making concessions. Um, if you can prove or show the value that, that your pricing is bringing, then you get yourself out of that conversation, That's right. right? Yeah. So especially in competitive situations where everybody's, you know, dropping price to try to win that business. Yep. So have that proof. So you could be a premium right. pricer if you can show that, you know, there's that value. The value. Yep. You got to be able to quantify that. Yep. Absolutely. That's right. That's okay. Right. So, uh, no, I don't have that one yet. So, uh, we're right, just going to keep going real on to the here. next one. All right. We'll go to the next one here. And I love this. I love this. <laughs> Customer segmentation and engagement. I got to read this because I laugh every time I see it. <laughs> our highest priority is satisfying our customers, except <laughs> when it's hard or it's unprofitable or we're busy. <laughs> That's really great. So in the break room, it sounds good to, to service and satisfy our customers. And that's about the only place. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that's it's amazing, right? And of course, this work that we do, um, we uncover insights when we're out there, when we take our customers' um, hypothesis, if you will, value yeah. proposition, their perspective of where they're delivering value and how much we take it out to our to their customers and we have these facilitated discussions sharing our clients perspective and getting feedback our clients watch in listen in they don't speak yeah. and they get a chance to see their value proposition on display and let's just say there are always some surprises yeah i bet yeah and sometimes you know when you ask the customer in that context tell me the truth they tell you it's, sometimes it's things that maybe you had an inkling about, and sometimes it's things you completely didn't expect, right? Strategic things, right? And so in one case, we actually had a client that really, really thought their product, their product was the cat's meow. It was about their product versus the competition. Yeah. And as it turned out, their customers overwhelmingly said, you know, your product was the cat's meow five years ago, but today it's kind of a commodity. Oh, wow. Really? Mm -hmm. However, your supply chain, your ability to get us the product when we need it, where we need it, so we can meet our customer demands. That's what it's all about. And that's why we buy from you. Oh, that's very insightful information. Right. So why they're yeah. buying was different than why they thought what they, why they right. thought they were buying. Uh, absolutely. Hmm. So a couple questions there as well. Um, we understand our customers and prospects and know how we meet or, or exceed their expectations. And then our leaders have valuable strategic discussions with our customers' mm. leadership teams. Every word in that statement matters. <laughs> so I'm thinking about a client of ours, uh, Michelle and Keith, and 
that bottom one uh, applies directly to them. It is uh, one of their top five customers and you know it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, yet all they do is they have tactical conversations about um, cutting costs. Yeah. And they can't get out of that loop of tactical conversations to have the strategic conversations. And every year their base of business shrinks and they have to try to add to it because they keep cutting price on what they currently have. Yeah. So yeah. they're not having strategic discussions, but they have to get themselves out of that loop. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the things that we've uncovered this thing we call expedite opportunities. Ah. These are things that we uncover when we're facilitating these, you know, validation discussions with our clients value proposition, where the, their customer will say, you know what, there's a project we're working on now that's really important to the company, really strategic. I don't think we're talking to you guys about this. <laughs> <laughs> and it happened with one of our large technology clients. In fact, we were uh, in Paris having the discussion with uh, two tech to technology executives within their customer organization, and they got a $10 million opportunity that closed wow. in about 45 days from the discussion that came up as a result of this discussion. Fascinating. And I think sometimes your point, Mark, we just don't have the right conversations with the right people and our customers about the right things. Yep. It's going to become ever more important as we look at uh, what's ahead because we're not going to be as much face-to-face -face together anymore. So yeah. being able to have those conversations, or I believe will be more important or you're just, you know, you're, you will be um, upset by your competition. I believe it's, it's very possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Got some results from yeah. market segmentation and pricing. These are lagging results coming in. All right. <laughs> all right. No problem. Yeah. So, um, Okay, hold on. <laughs> oh, you gotta love this, right? Oh, you gotta love it, right? Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hey, market segmentation and pricing. Um, first question, we understand the needs of our markets and uh, our target markets and can confidently meet their demands. 3.9 out of five. Wow. And uh, our pricing strategy enables us to capture our fair share of the customer value we create at about a three. Hmm. And uh, that's not surprising. Usually we see three or lower. People okay. recognize that there's a real opportunity around pricing. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. Yes. The oh, value proposition and offerings. Uh, anybody working on getting a 360 degree view of your customer? <laughs> it's very literal. <laughs> Very literal. This reminds me of that Google car that I saw coming down the road the other day. Really? The cameras all over it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know about that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know what really makes this one interesting? And we see this all the time. Customer experience. I, you know, I, I'm usually a pretty positive person. This is going to sound like a little bit of a negative comment, and I don't mean it to be that way, but I, we just need to be authentic here. A lot of organizations are launching customer experience initiatives. Yes. And they're really helping them to understand everything except the meaningful parts of the customer experience, <laughs> right? I mean, to, to really track each of the interactions and all of the engagement along the journey is great. But if you don't understand whether you're delivering the value at the end of the day that the customers are looking for in the relationship, 
I ask, to what end, right? To what end? Yes. Uh, so let's jump to the questions here. Yeah. We prioritize the success of our customers' business and know the differential value we deliver. And then secondly, we collaborate with customers to develop products and services mm. that accelerate growth. So Keith, can you take that first one? Because this is <clears throat> this is what we talked about earlier, the differential yeah. value proposition. And, and just talk for a little bit about just the basic approach that you take to do that. Yeah, so you know, it's interesting. The, the, the starting point for us is actually working with our clients and the teams in their organization that know their customers really well. So it mm -hmm. might be you know, a global key account where they may sell 50 million, 100 million, $150 million a year to that, that company, that customer. So we'll take the account manager, members of the sales team, uh, the customer service or technical support, a field support, supply chain, marketing, all those people who are close. And we have them develop what they believe is the differential value they've delivered to that customer in the past year. So we don't wanna talk about aspirational things yet, right? What have you actually done in the last year versus the next best alternative? That starting point, Mark, sometimes requires hard hats and bulletproof vests. <laughs> and, and what it indicates is that sometimes in organizations, the people who are there working with that customer every day aren't on the same page with ultimately what value uh, we're delivering. So, so from a practical standpoint, if I'm somebody working with a customer within a company, how could I even know what the differential or take a guess at what the differential value is between what my company provides and what a competitor provides if I don't really have visibility on what that competitor actually provides? Well, um, what we do is we try and understand, help the organization understand where that information might reside in their organization. What we find is that somebody has a really good idea. And in some cases it comes from unlikely places. So for example, I mentioned that manufacturing customer or client earlier whose product they thought was really the cat's meow and it turned out it was their, um, their uh, supply chain and customer service. Huh. Most yeah. of that competitive insight came from their customer service reps. Wow. Amazing, because they're on the front line every yeah, day. Yeah, they sure are. Right, dealing with people who are placing those orders and handling logistics. And, and when they get that special order and say, we need your product, it's a late order. Can you get it to us in three days? We know that typically it's you know a 15-day delivery schedule. But let me tell you why. Your competitor just completely dropped the ball on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is conversation that that would be had with customer service. So pay attention to that front line, yeah, them, right, and get that that feedback. That's and I bet that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. I bet it doesn't happen a lot of the times. I mean, when well, we I know we're we're running close on time. We will yep. go to the last one. We got our last one here. Yeah, business model and customer insight. Yes. <laughs> our study <laughs> concludes that this is the percentage of our customers who will buy from us without <laughs> any effort whatsoever on our part. <laughs> That's insightful, right? That's very insightful, yes. So. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it, it does take work, right? To truly understand what drives, the, what drives or moves the needle, right? And what really drives customer action and customer purchase and repeat 
and particularly which customers are buying the highest value products and services where you make the most money. It, it doesn't just happen, right? But knowing right. the right things to do and whether you've got the right business model, right? If you're trying to sell a solution and that solution includes products and services and the recognition that you've got some unique capabilities in your supply mm. chain or other places, you can't capture the value of that if you sell products based on line item pricing. And you can't capture that value if you sell the bits and pieces of your products and services independently. Probably. You probably need to figure out how to bundle that and sell the solution yeah. and price it accordingly. That's a different business if you've sold the, the individual pieces forever and now you need to try to sell the bundle, right? That can be a challenge. That's very different. Different for a lot of companies. We're asked to help companies do that. So Keith, in your experience, how do you find the successful companies make that shift? Yeah, I, I think they become really good at innovating, mm. but figuring out where they need to innovate. Because, you know, we, we throw that word around sometimes a lot, mm. right? Innovation. But the question sometimes is not whether you're innovating or not, it's whether you're innovating in the right place. Right. Right. In the right part of the value chain so that you can deliver and execute on a model that helps you to, to grow and, and to be more profitable, right? So yep. for example, I, I use that same client example again, they found that they really needed to be closer to their customers' manufacturing plants for a whole lot of reasons to take cost out for their customers. Their customers also told them that if you do that, you get greater share of business for us, from us. Oh, wow, yeah. Right? And so there are lots of places along that value chain they could have innovated before actually they were focusing on innovating around product. Uh -huh. They shifted their entire strategy to innovating around supply chain. That is interesting. So what the priority is of your customer and innovate around that. Yeah. Not what you think, but what the priority is for them. Well, I think that's a good area, a good place for us to, to summarize. Keith, why don't you pull this all together for us? Yeah. So again, you know, we think that as organizations are thinking about restarting growth, you know, we had a little bit of fun here, you know, with, yeah. the, with each of these, but you know, it really is a serious topic. Uh, the decisions that are most important today and going forward in 2021 and beyond may be different. So mm -hmm. consider, you know, these five areas and these key decisions and ask yourself, which of these are the most important for us to drive growth and profitability as we move, you know, into 2021? What are they really? And maybe gather together members of your team or your leadership team. It's a great way to start determining how you prioritize your focus. And then secondly, when you find those that you think are the most important decisions, to be real honest, what is our current level of confidence in making those decisions that are gonna be, if in some cases, bet the business decisions? And if not, what do we need? What insight and intelligence do we need to be able to make those important decisions uh, more confident? Thanks for joining us. And remember, Sales Globe is a data-driven, creative problem-solving firm for sales. Yes, we solve your biggest sales challenges, and we would love to hear from you about yours. You can find us at salesglobe.com and connect with us on LinkedIn.